Hello and welcome to the MetaPropCast, the podcast of innovation in real estate technology. I'm your host, Phil Russo. The MetaPropCast can be heard on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, and Google Play, and is a production of MetaProp NYC. Hello and welcome to the MetaPropCast, the podcast of innovation in real estate. It's Friday, July 7, 2017. We are speaking with Ross Bailey, CEO of Appear Here. I'm your host, Phil Russo. Ross, where are you these days and how are you? Hi, Bill. I'm good, thanks. I'm, I'm in LA at the moment um, doing some meetings uh, and I'm back in our New York office tomorrow. Well, you're a peripathetic entrepreneur for sure. And as to our basic question to kick off our chat, what is Appear Here? So Appear Here is the leading site to run retail space. And it's really simple. We're a two-sided marketplace. On one side of the platform, we've got tens of thousands of brands, over 80,000 brands that use Appear Here. And on the other side of the platform, we've got thousands of spaces in the world's best cities. And what we do is we make booking a shop as easy as booking a hotel room. So the way to think of us is like the Airbnb of retail. Fabulous. Your company seemed to, if you'll pardon the pun, appear here in New York City out of nowhere. Is that an accurate view? How did you start? Well, I mean, I, I appreciate that, but it definitely uh, uh, took some time. I mean, I've been going out to New York over the last year or so, having meetings, trying to understand the city, trying to find amazing talent but yeah it's true we launched about 12 weeks ago uh, and we've already signed up you know the biggest and best landlords in the city as well as already launching lots of stores and and, and new york's doing amazing i mean i think to give you an idea new york has already done better numbers in our first year of london so i'm really bullish about the city i'm really excited and um i i, I think that it's going to be an amazing thing it's very exciting what's going on uh, with your company in retail. And your background uh, as the creator of this company, uh, at one point you were referred to in a blog as a self-styled idepreneur, ideapreneur. That's difficult to say, but it's ideapreneur as compared to entrepreneur. What is that? And did you seemingly come out of nowhere to become a successful CEO? Well, I mean, I don't know what success is yet. And I'm just at the beginning. There's a long way to go. But I think that, um, you know, I, I, the reason I spoke about being an ideapreneur once was when I was at an advertising school for a few months, we were, our lecturer was talking about the difference between an entrepreneur and an ideapreneur. And he said, you know, an entrepreneur can take somebody else's idea and might replicate it or refine it. Whereas what an ideapreneur is doing is they are, coming up with an idea uh, from scratch and they're trying to really change the way things have been done. They're trying to come up with original ideas that deliver business or social value and they realize the value of the idea, not just the execution. So I think 
to not sort of go on. It's a person that comes up with a new idea that sort of evokes change, disrupts the status quo or impacts an industry rather than someone who just takes something that's been done and, and does it in another area, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, and if you think about it, if, if there's a really cool restaurant concept and somebody sees it and launches it in a new city, you would still call that person an entrepreneur. But to me, the ideapreneur is the person that was inspired by that idea originally. Got it. Uh, but, you know, saying that, you know, no, no idea is original and, and everyone gets inspiration from multiple places. But I think that was, uh, you know, the bit that excites me is how do you disrupt things? How do you change the way things have been done rather than how do you just make money? And talking about disruption, there's been great disruption in the current drastic retail real estate downturn in New York City. How is a peer here dealing with that? Well, I mean, look, they, they, it's exciting. Um, it's obviously exciting for us because there's a lot of vacancy at the moment. I think it's exciting for us because it's so obvious that the city's going through a tipping point right now. I mean, it's crazy when you think that you've got prime retail where there's 30% vacancy. I mean, it's unheard of. So I think that, you know, there's a few things that are attacking the industry at the moment. One, there's cycles that happen anyway, but I think that this is different. And the reason this is different is you're seeing a number of trends all collide at one moment from online spend that has increased over the last 10 years and is only doing it more. Um, which means the way that we think about shopping has changed. Consumers are shopping for experience rather than convenience. You're seeing lease lengths getting shorter. You know, the year I was born, 1992, the average lease was 20 years. Today, it's less than five years. And that's been going down every year, no matter whether the cycle has been up or down. So what you're suddenly seeing is these structural shifts, these consumer shifts, and all of that's coming together at one moment in time. And I think that that results in what we're seeing on the streets at the moment. And, and the big point here is who are those retailers going to be at the future? And I think that's a question that didn't really exist so much before. I see. By its nature, though, is a peer here pouring fuel on the fire of what has generally been considered a retail rent collapse in New York City? What do you mean by fuel on the fire? Well, you're a disruptive company. You are changing the way people look at and rent lease real estate property. Is a peer here uh, going to cause the efficiencies, let us say, that will lead to further rent reductions from a historically high retail rent market? Well, look, I think that if we're, I don't believe so. I think that if, if we're creating efficiencies, that's only, you know, that's a win-win for both the landlords and for the brands. It means that brands are able to get into spaces quicker and they're able to access space faster. And it means land, landlords are able to, uh, you know, save money on time, on fees, on expense. The big thing here is that, you know, vacancy rates are 30% already. We're coming into this city and what we're not doing is, uh, we're not going to increase those vacancies. We're going to get rid of them. And and what we're doing is we're opening up the pool of potential tenants. And the question is, as I put before, who are those retailers going forward? And the retailer of the future is changing because physical retail space is going to be 
no longer about sales as we move forward. It's about impressions. It's about getting in front of people. Retail is becoming media. And what we're doing is we're bringing that same business model to real estate. We're opening up the pool of potential retailers so that there's not a few people that can afford a space. There's many. And that's not necessarily by bringing prices down. That's by giving people access flexibly. So they don't need to take a 10-year lease or a five-year lease. They might take a space by the month or, or, or two months. And the way I look at this is much more like the residential real estate industry than what's historically been the commercial property industry. And I think that what we're just doing is opening that up to tens of thousands of potential brands um, that people haven't been able to access till today. Well, just scratching this itch a bit more, will e-commerce hurt your business in a similar way to how it's radically disrupting retail real estate? Look, I think that people shouldn't be worried about e-commerce because the point is, is that it's happening. And, and what concerns me is people that sort of try and fight it or pretend it's not there remind me of people that were in the music industry that sort of wanted to carry on believing that everyone would buy CDs and not stream online. The point is that people want access, they want transparency and they want ease. And it's and e-commerce is a very efficient and a very uh, easy way to shop. But what people still want to do, like in the music industry, is go to concerts, go to gigs. And the, and, the, and the music labels that really understood that are thriving more than ever before. It was the ones that didn't understand that and focused on blocking the future that ended up causing, uh, you know, and having issues and concerns going forward and, and haven't performed very well. And I think what we've got to do in the real estate industry is understand that, you know, experience is more important than ever before. And the only place you can do that is in physical spaces. And if we can get on top of that new future, I think that landlords will do as well, if not better than they've ever done before. Um, and I think, look, we're learning that e-commerce brands, you know, Everlane, Warby Parker, um, Farfetch, Netherporter, businesses that built their companies on the idea of being online only are all opening up physical stores. They're realizing that you need physical retail. But what they don't want to do is have retail as a fixed cost. They want to have it as a variable cost, the same way they run the rest of their business. Uh, and that will be the future. But no, e-commerce is not going to kill the high street. It's going to bring better quality. It's going to bring more experience. It's going to bring better retailers to the high street. We've just got to make a model that works for it. Let's talk a little bit about retail, real estate, and its use of data. Um, that area, retail real estate, has always been known as the most chaotic and accurate data-resistant segment of the only slightly less chaotic and accurate data-resistant property industry as a whole. The latter is slowly becoming more data-driven, perhaps increasingly so in the last year. Can the same happen for retail? Will it be more data-driven? Oh, 100%. Um, 100%, 100%. I mean, look, we right now understand where brands will be successful. We're understanding that if someone's in one area where they should go in the second area, we're understanding for landlords where there might be streets that are cheaper to buy property, yet our brands are as interested in that street as they are in other prime streets. So you're able to see price discrepancies, you're able to see opportunities, you're able to help landlords buy or build supply that works for the demand that exists. 
And if you think about it, the way that the industries work before is you sort of listen to agents who have spent months doing a deal and you find out from them, you know, when did the last deal close and what was the pricing and what's going on in the market. But the problem there is that it's never real time because every deal averagely takes six months to complete. And um, what we're doing on the pier here is we're making deals happen in three to six days, averagely. So it's exponentially faster. So one, we're understanding the real market in real time. But two, we're also understanding intent. When you've got nearly 100,000 brands that are searching different streets in New York, you understand where the real demand is and where people really want to be. And I don't think anyone's really understood that before. Um, further on that point, most brokers, especially successful ones, are still very tech resistant. Are commercial real estate retail brokers embracing a peer here? No, I mean, I don't know. But what I'd say is that, you know, the CD manufacturing companies are also very tech resistant. Um, so we'll see. But look, I don't think what we're doing is disrupting the agents. I think what we're doing is we're finding a part of the industry that no one was interested in. You know, pop-up shops and temporary retail was sort of the dirt end of retail. And what we're trying to do is bring it to life a little bit more. What we're trying to do is make it cool. What we're doing is helping fill those awkward pauses. And we're also helping bring in content and entertainment to people on the streets so that the landlords can work with their agents on doing the much longer term deals for those that still exist. You've, you started in London. You're in New York. What's the difference in doing business for a peer here between London, New York, Paris, or other places you're beginning to do business? So I guess in all three cities, I think in all three cities from the real estate side, it's very similar. There's real nuances. Um, I'd say in New York, uh, people are slightly more aggressive with moving faster than, let's say, Paris. But in, in, in all essence, it's, it's very similar. Um, I think from a brand perspective, um, in, there's different there's differences in each city. So in Paris, you see lots and lots and lots of very small, really amazingly curated brands that are very small and independent, but the quality is amazing. Um, but a lot of these don't always make money, but they you know they're they're, they're small successes. In, in London, you see a mixture. You see a lot of these sort of passion projects and independent brands, but you also see some uh, much bigger ones. And what I'd say in New York is there's a few of the smaller guys, but there's a lot more in the middle and there's a lot of higher end stuff. But it's it's I think the New Yorkers are much more focused on both from an entrepreneur side, from the demand side on creating brands that are successful um, and when I say that, I don't mean successful in terms of, I mean, both in all three cities, even the smaller brands are successful. But what the New Yorkers are very focused on, it seems, is really making money. So if it's a small passion project and it doesn't work, they'll go get a job elsewhere. Whereas I think what, you're, what you see in Paris is, you know, if somebody wants to wake up in the morning and just do what they love, they might not make a huge amount of money, but they're still going to do it because it's their passion. So from a retailer perspective, it varies slightly in terms of the dynamics of how much big brands you've got versus how much small ones. Um, but relatively, overall, it's very similar. Well, as a lifelong New Yorker, I can certainly say that you've tabbed us correctly. 
It's about making money here. Can your concept work anywhere or only in high street cities? From a retail perspective, well, I mean, I think, look, in the UK, we're launching, we're re, you know, we've been launching a lot of stuff in malls. And um, we also now power more markets in London than anyone. So, yeah, that's a big city. But we're seeing that these guys are rolling into malls throughout the country. We're also seeing small little local towns where local people have something they're working on and are able to access space. You know, they didn't realize this was possible before, but they're they're doing it and they're making it work. Uh, and, you know, in this week weekend for the 4th of July, I went to Kauai and I was, um, you know, hiking and doing a few different things with a group of my friends. And I found this little warehouse in the middle of nowhere. And there was about 10 um, concessions in this warehouse with independent local brands making product. And outside there was about 10 street food vendors. And they, you know, they had beautiful communal tables. It was, it was gorgeous. And you sort of look at this space and you go, God, if this can work in the middle of nowhere in Kauai, then this idea can work everywhere. Let's get back to your background. What is it that made you an entrepreneur? And what would you advise others who want to be founders in prop tech as well? God, I mean, look, I am... Um... I, I don't think there's, there's I, 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 it's hard to answer that. I, I, you know, my belief is that you should never call yourself an entrepreneur. Hopefully you get, you might get called it. But my, um, you know, I don't have much of a background, if I'm honest, Philip. I um, left school at 16. I started working. I'd, you know, I've never worked for anyone else other than myself. I was always doing different ideas um, and was always just trying to solve problems. And, and when I, a few years ago, I, I launched my own store for the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. And that's the thing where in Britain, we still sort of celebrate um, the Queen's reign. And I designed these T-shirts and long story short, they got banned by Buckingham Palace and there was a lot of excitement about it. And people started to call me up and just ask me to help them with their stores. And, and at the same time, I was obsessed with technology and reading magazines like Fast Company and Wired and looking at all the tech blogs and was looking at how businesses like Airbnb were really taking off and reading about collaborative consumption and peer-to-peer -peer marketplaces and the idea of taking a latent capacity and, and finding a new model to help monetize it and bring it back to life. And, and as I was driving around town, I was seeing all these empty shops and just thought, hang on a minute, can I put these things together? Uh, and that was where the idea came from. And, and then you know, I, as I said, I was one, I was very young at the time Two, I didn't have much experience. So I then just focused on understanding the market on understanding real estate, uh, the, the, the dynamics, the finance, the way that it works. Um, and, you know, we're four years in now, we've got around 60 people and we've got an office in London, Paris, New York, and it's very early days, but we're very excited. We're very bullish. And um, we think that this has got the opportunity um, to build a massive business that could really, really change things and, and make things better. You know, if you can help entrepreneurs launch ideas, help new businesses get off the ground, I think that's great for the individual. It's great for hopefully bringing a new type of brand and retailer to, to landlords and, and to the real estate industry. And it's good for the economy. Um, appear here appears to be booming. Is it a unicorn or are you going to go public? Oh, I mean, look, we, we, we've got a long, long way to go. Um, 
as I said, I'm bullish and I believe that anything's possible. I think my I'm less interested in being a unicorn because in my opinion, unicorns don't really exist. I think we want to be, uh, I don't know, like a rhino or something. We want to charge. We want to go the, the whole distance, but we want to be real. Well, last question. What is it that I haven't asked that's on your mind that you want to convey about up here here? Oh, God, that's a, uh, a good question. I mean, I'm not sure. I think that, you know, what excites me about real estate right now is that I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom and a lot of people are acting like, God, what's going to happen in retail, especially going forward. But, you know, when I started this company a few years ago, when I spoke to landlords, a lot of them didn't think this would work. A lot of them didn't want it to work. Um, and many sort of still spoke about the Internet and technology as being something that just was irrelevant to them and not particularly interesting. And to see that pace of change over several years, when now, whether I'm in London, whether I'm in Paris, whether I'm in New York, you've got incredibly forward-thinking landlords, incredibly uh, innovative people in the industry that are talking about what the future is, that are talking about how they use technology throughout their business, whether it's leasing of the space, whether it's how they construct, uh, whether it's in construction, whether it's um, how they design, it's, Every touch point, they're thinking about how do they innovate and how do they stay ahead. And I really think that that's come out of nowhere. And I think that, you know, I used the music analogy earlier, but, you know, I feel far more optimistic about this industry. And I think that the people at the top, especially the people at the top, are really realizing that things have to change. And I think that means that it's an incredibly exciting moment in time. And for those that think that the high street's going to die, I think that. You know, none of us want to sit at home on our laptops all day. We want to go out and we want to be surrounded by people. And I think that what we need landlords, especially in retail, to remember is why real estate is valuable. And often it's down to the location and then question why the location is important. And often that's down to the audience. And I think we need to start thinking more now about the audience and how we keep them engaged and how we attract them. Because I think when you've got huge vacancies or when you've got brands that don't go together and you don't curate a street, it becomes boring. And the days of stocking a shop with as much product as possible, with as many retailers as possible and getting people to buy as quickly as possible is over because that was about convenience and Amazon now does that better. But today, walking down the shop is about drinking lovely coffee, looking at beautiful people, discovering stuff. And that is still needed. It's needed by online players. It's needed by offline players. And it's something that we all want to do at the weekends. So, you know, I, I've sort of rambled a little bit there. But my point is that there will always be a place for great streets because people want to discover, they want to talk and they want to meet people face to face. And what we need to do is make sure that landlords are focused on that key thing, which is the audience. And, and I think that we as at Appear here can help them focus on that. We have been speaking with Ross Bailey, CEO of Appear Here. Ross, thank you for your many interesting thoughts. I think uh, we're going to hear much more from you and Appear Here in the future. And we greatly appreciate you being on the MetaPropCast today. I really appreciate that. Thanks so much. All the best. Thank you. This is Philip Russo. 
Thank you for listening.